So we're uh, catching up today, Yankee Pilgrim Weekly Podcast for Ministry in New England and Beyond. I am Todd Goulet, Bishop, Pastor, <laughs> Reverend Dr. Todd Goulet, one half of your hosting team, Pastor of Friendship Baptist Church in Litchfield, Connecticut. And the third half of our hosting team is none other than the scholar, Nate Steak and Cheese Oliver, <laughs> Pastor of the Federated Church of Willington. Nate, what's going on, man? Oh, what's up? Uh, I'm about to take a nap because Nate just brought in a whole pizza and we ate the whole thing before we started recording today. So, Hence the steak and cheese. Yeah, man. So this is probably going to be very boring because I'm really tired now <laughs> after eating all of that. But I think we're going to talk about, uh, what are we going to talk about? We're talking about the Great Commission. Yeah, Great Commission, but I didn't know if you wanted to start with a public apology. Um, <laughs> I never apologized. You know, you you did. I, I don't know if we want to talk about Do the text I, I you need sent to me. Yeah, remember you were making fun of. I suggested you listen to Lettuce, and uh, <laughs> you, you you laughed like that. I did. And then you sent me. I don't know. You sent me an apology text. I think I think you owe, owe me an apology for calling me out on. <laughs> laughing about hey i listen to lettuce and some of their stuff is pretty funky so this is my uh hat in hand apology to nate for his weird eclectic bizarre taste in music which turns out isn't that bad after all you are forgiven thank you man i appreciate forgiveness it's been a day of asking for forgiveness for me which is is kind of normal uh, so but- what are you listening to now <laughs> have you moved on from anything uh so I, right now, Tedeschi Trucks Band has a new live album out. Tedeschi? Tedeschi Truck, Trucks Band. It sounds like the car dealership. It does, but uh, it's way better. Is it? And uh, they're, they're kind of in the Allman Brother family. Uh, so I think you'd really like it. Yeah. So maybe you can report back next time. I will. I Actually, you know, because now I have Apple Music. Mm. So, so now I'm just going to send you stuff. Yeah, please do. And that's how I, I looked up Lettuce last time. Um, I actually, yeah, I do have one of their songs here, but I, I went and pulled down Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty. Oh. Heartbreakers. Full Moon Fever was the very first cassette tape that I purchased when it first came out. So it was kind of a nostalgia for me because in my first car, that was the one tape that I had was Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever. And I would play that thing. And I mean, now you just you hit next and the next song comes up. But that's back when you do you remember that? Because you're a little younger. Than I that. do. I do. So, I, I, you know, in the 80s, I had cassette tapes. Okay. I remember finding some of my aunts, uh, you know, Meatloaf and uh, Eddie Murphy Delirious. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Uh, oh, yeah. You don't listen tapes. to Eddie Murphy Delirious, man. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think CDs came around when I was I think I got a CD player when I was like 12. Okay. Uh, but I do remember, you know, having the blank cassette tapes and the radio would come on and you hit record and you try not to get the commercials. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, whether it was like the Dr. Demento show, do you remember that? Yeah, I know please don't, of it. Don't Google that if you're I, at home I know because that it. was wacky when I was a kid. I can't even imagine what it would be like listening to now. I so. do remember Casey Kasem and oh, yes. the countdown. From the top of the stack. Yeah. The best. yeah Casey it, Kasem. Was wasn't good. he Shaggy in Scooby-Doo? Was yeah, that he his was. Voice? Did he pass away? When did he pass away? I don't know. He might still be alive. Yeah, I, Mr. Kasem, I'm sorry if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening and you are still alive. And I apologize to the other seven listeners of this podcast <laughs> for calling Lettuce terrible music. When, in fact, it was good. Oh, yeah. So, so Great Commission, man. We yeah. need to repent of great, our sins great and talk about the Great Commission. So what is it? How do we do it? Are there parts of it? It seems like... Uh, I think with the average Christian, they think of the Great Commission and they think, well, this is what religious professionals do, pastors mm-hmm. and 
other other people who are paid to do this for a living. And and religious professionals should do it. Yeah. Uh, but it, We're not it, it is a call to everyone. It's called to all the disciples. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, um, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I command you. And uh, then he goes on and gives a promise. He says, I'll be with you always till the end of the age. And so uh, that's what's been called the Great Commission, Jesus saying, go and make disciples. Can I correct your theology there? Yes, though? please. Because in the very beginning of that, he says, all authority mm. in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I just wanted to add that in, lest we uh, fall into heresy on our podcast. <laughs> Good point. And, and, and it really, it is, uh, to, to leave that out is huge uh, because... What Jesus is telling us is that he's king, and the king has a message, and the king has all authority, and um, he wants us to spread that good news and make disciples. So what does, that, what does that mean? So we think of the Great Commission. It's a command from Christ to go and make disciples. It, it seems like there has to be a starting point for that, and my understanding is the starting point in discipleship is, in fact, evangelism. Mm. Uh, I think that there has been a an emphasis on evangelism to an extent, certainly in the circles that we're in, probably over the past 20 or so years, that has almost been, I don't want to use the word unhealthy, but the overemphasis has been on evangelism and not really the fact that evangelism is one side of a, a coin and the other side is the discipleship that comes along with the conversion of the person to Christ. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, because Jesus is telling us to not just make converts, but to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And and that includes baptism, but it also includes teaching people to obey what it is Christ has taught us. And so I, I think we've both seen there can be such an emphasis on evangelism. And, and once people do trust Christ, um, it, it's kind of like, oh, great, next. Yeah. Who, who do we have next? So we were talking before we started recording about things that annoy us on Facebook, and we could spend days talking about this, right? Months and years. One thing that kind of drives me a little crazy is when, and I know it should be a celebration, but when churches post like a number on Sunday and said 17 people gave their, their selves to Christ this week, and then the next week seven people gave their selves to Christ. I, I'm not belittling that fact because that's, that's awesome. However... I did just some very unscientific research of a few of these churches in our area who, who was doing that. And I tallied up those numbers. And then I went back and I looked at what they claim was their average attendance. And there were two very different numbers. So something is happening there and something is not happening there. Mm-hmm. The celebration of people walking a distance or, quotes making a decision versus lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And and again, the, when people trust Christ, it is something to celebrate. But often, again, this is a discussion for another time, another day. Uh, often we can use social media platforms to puff things up um, when, yeah, we do want to celebrate. But let's do some in-house celebration. Right. Um, but th- there can also be a, a number of factors um, people can walk an aisle or say a prayer or 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 whatever it may be and and really time will tell yes. if if they have trusted Christ right um and begin to follow him so let's let's start kind of where where most people would let's start with the the pastor 
or the teacher of the local congregation, what is the responsibility of a pastor in evangelism and discipleship? What do you think? Well, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians that the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so one of the roles we would have as pastors is to equip people to understand. So I think of, for instance, is, um, you know, as we talk about evangelism and discipleship, we want people to understand what the gospel is, the good news that Jesus Christ came and lived the perfect life we could never live. He died a death in our place for our sins and three days later rose from the dead. And his call to us now is is to call people to repent, to change their mind, and to believe that he died for their sins. And so I think sometimes equipping people means teaching the difference between good advice and good news. Right. So when I when I teach the gospel or when I'm preaching the gospel, um, for me, I always want to say that there is an objective element to the gospel and then there's a subjective element to it. The objective element is that it is truth, it is history, it's rooted in, in historic events, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is something that happened, and it happens outside of us whether we believe or not. The gospel is the gospel whether we respond to it or not. The subjective element of the gospel is, of course, our response to that. Jesus says that response is repentance and faith. So that is the evangelistic aspect. I think, uh, so for the pastor, I think there's there's two things, and I'm sorry, I think I cut off your train of thought, but that's what I do. Um, <laughs> so there's two things. The one certainly is our own work in the Great Commission. I have responsibility in the Great Commission. No more than you do. No more than people who are sitting um, uh, under my care do. Um, we all have a job in the Great Commission to make disciples. But I think the, the big part for the pastor is what you said, is the equipping the people that make up the church to do the work of the Great Commission. So we are not, we are not the tip of the spear. We are part of the family, mm. and we're teaching the family how to do this, so we're going out and doing this on that. Yeah, and it's, it's really exciting to see when, when you see people um, just get the bug for wanting to share the gospel. Yeah. And, and as we think about just distinctions to be made, you know, the difference between good news and good advice, I think another thing that often gets purported to be the good news or evangelism is just tell your story. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can be a good illustration or a tool to help explain the gospel. I think about the uh, the demoniac who wanted to go with Jesus, and, and he says, no, tell people what I've done for you. Right. So that can be an illustration uh, but oftentimes you'll hear people talk about, oh, evangelism is just sharing what God has done for you. Well, not true. That, that can be a part of your evangelism or sharing the gospel, but the gospel is objective, like you said, it's historical, objective reality that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and rose from the dead. And, and whether you believe it or not, it, it's the true objective. Yeah. It, it's good news and it's, and it's news. And, uh, you know, I... Last night I was teaching a Bible study and we were talking about prophets. And uh, as I think about evangelism and the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, we really are called to be like town criers. We've got the king, all authority, and he's given us a message to go out and say, here's a message from the king, free forgiveness, free grace, simple faith alone in, in him. And so 
really sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, we complicate it and we can have a tendency to oversimplify it. Um, I know what I've seen is where people would say to me, you know, I, I'm sharing the gospel with my neighbor. I told them that, that God could give them purpose in their life. Or I told them that God could, uh, he could help ease their burdens. And that's, that's certainly true. Mm. But that's a byproduct, byproduct of repentance and faith. It's not the gospel. The gospel is the truth about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The response to that is repentance and faith. Now, there are byproducts, but we can't confuse that byproduct with the actual gospel itself. Yeah, and I think for a long time, uh, some maybe more pragmatic-leaning uh, churches have have said, come, come to Jesus to fix your marriage. Come to Jesus to have your finances fixed. Come to Jesus to have a, a better relationship with your children. And as you say, uh, it, it, that's a byproduct. That's not the gospel. Um, and so we need to be careful that we're presenting just the objective realities of, of the center of the gospel and not the fruits of what can't. Because guess what? Jesus can fix your marriage. Jesus can give you a better relationship with your children. But I think a lot of people have been sold a bill of goods in some ways and been told, come to Jesus for this. Right. But it hasn't been the centerpiece of for forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and if we tell people, listen, Jesus can give you inner peace. Well, they could say, well, Buddha gives me inner peace. Yoga, uh, meditation gives me inner peace. I mean, I have inner peace right now from the pizza we Man, just ate. I don't have inner peace from that pizza. <laughs> I got something going on, but it ain't inner peace. Yeah, so next time we're going to try, like, tofu and yeah, salad, I think. Um, <laughs> no, we won't. Oh, sweet mercy, man. I'll tell you. That was good, though. Yeah. That was good pizza. And I lost my train of thought because I know there's some pizza left. And... <clears throat> so anyway, so yeah, so evangelism is sharing the truth of the gospel, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And it's amazing when you look at – I've gone back and I've I studied, like, Spurgeon and some of the other great preachers – what their message was, was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason there was a great awakening was because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so that's what saves people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if this is just attributed to Spurgeon or if he actually said it, uh, but one, one of the quotes I remember is, whatever text you are in, make a beeline to the cross. Get there. Wherever you are in the scriptures, get to the cross of Christ because that is the central piece of what Christianity is. Yeah. Yeah, so this morning we had our elders meeting, and then uh, we're with two of the elders who do the preaching with me. We're studying uh, the book called Saving Eutychus by Gary Millar. Fantastic book. Uh, in it, he, he says basically the same thing. We're, we, are, we are preaching the gospel no matter what text we're in. And one of the guys asked me, he's like, you always preach the gospel. Do you have to build that in? And and I sat back and I'm like, well, no, because it's already there. Mm -hmm. Like even this weekend, preaching um, preaching the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount, because that's where we are in Matthew. Um, I didn't have to work the gospel in there because there it is. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're preaching, we are preaching the gospel. So preaching the gospel, it, I go back to when I first started preaching. Somebody said to me, are you going to preach the gospel? Th that was the question. I said, well, yeah, because I'm preaching the Bible. But what they had in mind is I was going to give a 35-minute talk about maybe tithing, and I was going to add a five-minute altar call. Altar call. That, that's not preaching the gospel. That's an altar call. Mm. 
preaching the gospel is is sharing that news as it's woven throughout the scripture. That's that's what I believe is true. And I mean, it's good because you're you're on the the same footing with the apostle Paul. Yeah. Because I think about in the book of Corinthians, he said, "I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." But we know he talked about other matters. Yeah. But what he's saying is everything, everything in life and theology. Uh, comes back to the central piece of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's funny we we sound like a broken record, but that's we we got you got to get to that point, right? But Paul, so that leads us, I think, into discipleship. Paul says that, and then he says a number of other things, which is the discipleship of, say, Timothy or other people in his life. So, uh, discipleship in my life, I I always say there's there's circles to it. There's there's intimate discipleship in my family. There's another outer ring to that, which is the discipleship I have around this table with the elder team of this church. We study the Bible together. We, we sharpen each other. We pray together. And then there's discipleship that I do outside of that, whether it's you and I or other people that are, are, are working through discipleship process. So it may not always be the same. Uh, when I was in New Hampshire, there was a, a few other guys that I was discipling. So it, it could shift throughout your life. But what is... What does it look like in your life right now? What does discipleship look like? Well, as you said, it is kind of uh, concentric circles. You, you know, I've got uh, my family, and uh, that that can look different. I mean, that can be up and down. And, yeah. and right now we're reading through the Gospel of John in the morning uh, before I, I leave for work. And so we'll read a little passage of John, and uh, some days we'll have longer discussion than others. Some days they're paying attention. Some days they're not. You have 17 kids. So, <laughs> yeah, so you never know what might happen. <laughs> um, so we, we do that, and, and then we, we pray and, and, and go get into the day. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we pray together as a family. And sometimes we'll listen to something. Sometimes we'll watch a What's in the Bible, yeah. uh, which is fun, and they enjoy it, and it's, it's helping teaching them. So there's that. And with my wife, uh, we pray together and talk about things together. And we, and it, we talk about a lot of things, but I'm, I'm just meaning in terms of Scripture. you talk about your feelings with your wife? Uh, yeah, a little. you talk your feelings with your some, wife? Some, yeah. some. I feel, I, I feel like my heart was surgically removed at some point because I don't talk about my feelings. Well, your feelings are feeling. I mean, do you, the one do you just have the I one have. feeling? And it was mostly hunger, but that feeling is gone now. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No. Well, and so, again, it's always going to look different. And so I've got a couple pastor friends who we get together. We talk about stuff. We pray about stuff. Um, people at the church, we, we do Bible studies together. And um, so and it has looked different in different seasons. Sometimes it's sitting across from another guy, and we're reading a scripture passage together and just talking about it, just right. doing one-to-one Bible reading. Or sometimes it's in a group. Um, and so actually, a lot of times, all those things are going on just at different places. Um, yeah, and I think I think really kind of the rule of thumb in the Great Commission is we should be growing and we should be helping someone else mm-hmm. grow. And, and I think that's a, a pretty simple way to look at it. Yeah. And I, I think if you're not helping someone else grow, you're probably not growing yourself because helping other people grow really stretches you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes people haven't had an example of what these things mean and what it means to disciple someone or just do one-to-one Bible reading. So I'm thinking about doing something like that at our church, doing a, talking about just one-to-one Bible reading and then showing what it looks like or let's practice on each other. 
Um, because often a lot of these things are awkward. If you, I mean, we get paid to do it. Yeah. I mean, and we love to do it, but for some folks, they've never been taught how to disciple or or pray out loud or pray out loud. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this is part of where it comes back to us to help equip uh, so that people can make disciples where they are. Because again, uh, we're always making disciples. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just good or bad. Yeah, what, how are we doing? So kind of the last question with this, then, and we can wrap. What? Um, how do you enter a disciple rela- discipleship relationship with someone? Uh, you sometimes think? you just ask. Yeah. You, you just say, um, I had a conversation with a uh, guy the other day, and um, I said, hey, you know, it looks like you're really um, doing a lot of things, doing a lot of study of Scripture and some other things. Would, would you want to join me and a couple 